if you would, um, I, before I tell you where to go, it's funny actually that um, Raji said what he said about the, the rain and the water because that's actually what I'm talking about tonight. And um, several months ago, I, I just want to leave it right here that I'm going to share a few stories from some people that have shared things with me and I didn't ask any of y'all's permission. So um, you can get with me after church. But um, several months ago, we had a, uh, a really good move of the Lord in a specific service. And um, I think it was on a Sunday night. And I remember some people came up to the, um, to the stage and were praying for uh, different members of the praise team. And in one of those times, actually, Jay Slater had somehow ended up over here. And he was slain in the spirit. And I remember we prayed over him for a while, and he ended up sitting up, but he was still in the spirit, and he had his eyes closed, and he was crying, of course. <laughs> and um, I'm the same way, so I can say that. Um, and I remember watching him, and he kept doing this. He just kept doing this over and over and over in the spirit. And we didn't really know what it was about. And then afterwards, he was sharing with the team, and I think he's probably shared with others about how he had seen a vision of a waterfall and he said he just could remember just feeling it just feeling the waterfall feeling the waterfall and then several weeks ago um, I had a friend of ours that comes to this church every so often and she had also shared a vision randomly that the Lord had given her and she said she had came to visit on this specific Sunday and the Lord had given her a vision in the church and she said at the back of the church, there was a river, like a rushing river. And she said the river went all the way to the door. And she said, when I went and looked out the door, she said there were people lined up as far as your eyes could see. And they had on like tattered clothes and torn clothes. And you could tell that they were just weary. But they were coming to this place specifically to get in the river. And she said as people would jump in the river, they would come out healed. They would come out delivered. They would come out restored. They would come out saved. And we've been hearing lots of talk about how we believe that the Lord is going to fill this house and how the Lord is going to bring people in. And, and we've been talking about preparation. We've been talking about preparing our own selves so that we can receive the harvest that the Lord is bringing in. We've also talked about how it's not our responsibility to just sit here and wait for God to do it. We have to be the hands and feet. We have to be the voice. We've been talking about that. We've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about discipleship. Um, that way we can be prepared for the harvest, right? So then the reason I bring all this up, I, it's kind of a long story, but Thursday night we were having worship practice. And actually we were practicing that song. And that video was Jay's idea. He had um, seen that video and it was really touching to him. So we kind of figured out how we could incorporate that video and we started talking about the rain, and we started talking about the river of God and different things. And I mentioned to Jay about how I remembered that that had happened. And so we started talking about that. And then as I was telling him that, I was reminded of what that other woman had told me. And then Amber, who I don't know if you all know this or not, I don't know if she cares if I care to share. Amber deals a lot with prophetic dreams. The Lord speaks to her in her dreams. And she said that the Lord specifically had woke her up one day this week, correct? One day this week. And she said she began to sing, 
Let the river flow, let the river flow. Remember that song, old song? So we were talking about that, and um, it was just, you just feel like, and actually Pastor Rodney said it again tonight, you just feel like that just continues to be the theme for some reason. It continues to be the theme on, on what God is trying to tell us, and I've been asking the Lord, what exactly does that mean? What exactly does it look like? Um, and then um, Shannon actually called me this week. She called me yesterday, and she was sharing some good news about something else. Shannon's looking at me like, what are you going to say about me? Um, and we, I don't remember even how we started talking about it, and then I shared with her what had happened on Thursday night. And she reminded me that when Charles Walters was here and had spoke at our church, he said that the Lord had given him a vision of a rushing waterfall, and he felt that it was for this region. And he said it would come down the, like it started on the platform, and it would come down, and it would go into all four corners, the north, south, east, and the west. So as I was reminded of this, because I, I wasn't supposed to speak tonight, um, we actually had a friend of ours that kind of had a situation that was out of their control, and Raji could deal with it, and I could not. So I told him, I said, if you'll, if you'll go and help with the situation and take care of it, then I'll speak tonight. So he didn't have all of that on him for today. And I don't know about you. I don't know if, how many of you have ever spoken in front of other people. Um, speaking to other people isn't really hard for me. Um, coming up with something, when it comes to delivering a sermon or a lesson, that's a little bit more difficult. It doesn't always come easy to me. Maybe to some of you it does. I, Troy's like, no way. It doesn't come easy to me either. <laughs> So anyway, um, the Lord has prophesied to this church many times about this harvest, about um, what is coming, what is coming. And we keep saying, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. I know Troy Cox had a vision as well of people being lined up down the street trying to get into this house. And here's the thing, there's nothing about this house that is more special than any other house. And we have to always understand that. Our church is not better than any other church. We are not more spiritual than anybody else. But God is looking for a remnant. God is looking for a people that will stand up and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want for us, that's what we want. And I believe that there are a people here in this house that want that. You know, I, I, when Raji and I have talked about it, I always said, I feel like that there is a train a-coming. I feel a train a-coming. I don't know if I can sing that from this pulpit or not, but... That's what I feel like. I feel like there is a train coming. And I'm telling you, I do not want to be standing at the station watching it go by. I do not want to be that person. And I feel like the last time I spoke here, which has been several weeks ago, I feel like that the Lord even spoke some of those things even through me about that, about being prepared, about being prepared for what God is, is bringing. So, as I was preparing to study, I really thought I was going to go another way, and I just couldn't get it to come together. And I don't know about you, but I keep notes on my phone, and I think I've shared this before. Like, when I, when I hear things or when I feel like the Lord's speaking to me, I always put it in my notebook on my phone. And I was kind of going through my notes that I had, and I came across the scripture. Well, it ended up bringing me to Ezekiel 47, which is where our text is going to be. And the title, this is what's crazy, the title of it, was the river from the temple. So I was like, oh. And I had already typed all the rest of this out, like what I was thinking about and what I was going to. And then I found Ezekiel 47, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So um, I think it's really awesome that the Lord 
does um, stuff like that. So let's, uh, the funny thing is too, is in my notebook, I wrote this scripture down, December 23rd, 2020. How crazy is that? Sometimes the Lord, I think, gives us things for the moment, and sometimes he gives us things for a later season. It's kind of like sometimes, you know, the Lord will speak things to you and say, I have this for you, I have this opportunity for you, and you're ready now. But there's sometimes the Lord speaks, I have this opportunity for you, but there's some preparation that you have to do. And I believe that's what the Lord's been doing through this church. I believe he's been preparing us. I believe he's been teaching us. I believe he's been unifying us. And I believe that's why the enemy has been attacking from all sides. Um, so anyway, let's turn to Ezekiel 47. And I think it's NIV, isn't that right? Yes, yeah, NIV is what I gave it because I didn't write it down. And starting in um, verse 1, it says, The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen up and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going we're gonna to move on. Lord, I just love you so much. God, I just give you praise. God, I know, Lord, that there is nothing in this girl, God, that is of any greatness. But God, I know, Lord, that with you, God, all things are possible. And God, I thank you, Lord, for your love, for your words. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, that you love this church so much that you want to do something through it. I thank you, God, for every individual in this house, God, that is a willing vessel that wants to be a part of this movement, of this kingdom-minded movement that you have placed within our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak and that you only, God, would be seen. And God, that any nervousness or any, anything, God, I might be afraid about, I put all my trust in you. For God, it is not about me. It is only about you. And I trust in you fully. And I give you praise. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, Raji and I have um, been blessed to be able to go to different places and one of our favorite places that we go to is, uh, that we, not that we go to like all the time, but we've been to a couple of times, is Grand Turk in the Turks and Caicos. And we always go by cruise ship because that's our favorite way to vacation. If you have any questions about that, you can ask me later or Christy Knotts now. Um, but anyway, um, so we've been to, to Grand Turk. Well, the ship docks right there on the island of Grand Turk. And you, you walk down the pier and right off the pier there's, tons of chairs, there's tons of umbrellas, it's all free, and you can just sit there, and it's just right there on the beach, it's just beautiful, clear water, Raji likes to snorkel a whole lot, and it's got really good snorkeling there, so the first time that we went there, you can see the ship from sitting on the beach, it's not real far, honestly, but you can, you can swim out pretty far, and, 
and actually still be touching. And then you get to this rope that has these buoys on it, right? That's what they're called, right? Buoys. You, get, you know like when you go to the pool and it separates the deep end from the shallow end? Right. So you get there and we put our masks on and we look underneath the, um, right there by that rope, by those buoys, and it's a drop-off. It's a complete cliff drop-off. That's hence why the buoys are there. Plus, the ship is sitting not too far from that. So that it means that you're not supposed to, there's no sign, but there, you're not supposed to go across the rope. I, however, thought it would be interesting to go underneath the rope and see what it was like to be in the deep. Because when you put your goggles on and you look, it is like complete, and it's clear, but like your eyes can just go as far as they can see. I don't know how deep it is. I have no idea. But I did look it up, and it said that a cruise ship has to be able to dock in water that is at least 25 to 50 feet below the hull, so below that bottom part of the ship. So it was at least 25 to 50 feet. And so I thought I would be cool, I guess. And so I went underneath the rope, and I'm out there swimming because, you know, there's nothing. And I went off that little cliff, and I told Raji, I said, I'm in the deep, I'm in the deep. And then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. Because I realized where I was. I realized the vulnerable state that I was in. Even though just a little bit over was that cliff side, and I could have stepped on the cliff, but something overcame me when I realized that I was in this deep water of ocean with barracuda and whatever. I guess the barracuda I didn't think existed on this side of the rope, but they did on this side because it was so deep. And so I remember being overwhelmed, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm, I, I got to get back over, I gotta, or I'm going to drown. I know how to swim, but there was something different about not having that security of the floor bed of is that what it's called, the, the bed of, of the ocean. There was something different about that. So anyway, I only have eight pages, so you don't have to worry. Um, when all that happened, I can't really say that I was afraid. It was the uncertainty. It was the, I was a little insecure. It was the, I guess, the fear of not knowing. You know what I mean? Has anybody ever felt that way spiritually? There's that fear of God's asking you to do something, and you're like, uh, I don't know. It's a little uneasy for me. It's a little out of my comfort zone. I don't really know. This, I believe, is what the Lord is asking of us. In Ezekiel 47, it talks about the people standing on the side of the banks of the river, and he talks about how he waited so far, right, up to the ankles. And then it talks about how he went a little bit further, and he got up to his knees, and then it talks about how he went out in the deep. And even some of us who have been out in the deep in some way, we've lost control and had to swim back to shore for whatever reason. Ephesians 5, 17 through 21. It says, Therefore, consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father for all things, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Now, how many have ever heard this scripture? I'm sure if you didn't hear all of that, you have heard, do not be drunk with wine. Because our parents really pushed that verse in us when we were young. You know, it was one of the big three, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, and tattoos. That was always one. When we were in youth ministry, that was always the big four, I guess I should say. But I was reading this verse, and it, I felt like the Lord drew me to this verse, and I was trying to figure out how it fit into all of this. And so I was looking up this word debauchery, because you all might be more scholars than me. I didn't really know what debauchery meant. Hands raised for those who know what debauchery is, Tony. There's always one who knows what debauchery is. I didn't know. So then I decided I would get some clarity. So I looked up debauchery, and it was really clearer then because then it said dissipation. No idea what that word meant either. Not really. So, um, so I looked up the word dissipation, and this is really kind of what floored me. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, oh, this was one of those moments for me. Troy, you'll appreciate this. I looked up the word dissipation, and it says the act of breaking up or scattering. Yeah. I know the Lord has spoken to this church more than once about scattering. There's actually an old song. Um, I know a lot of you in here know it, and because it, it's actually based off the scripture. It says, let God arise, let God arise, his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God arise. His enemies be scattered. Let God, let God arise. We're going to keep singing it until everybody sings it. Let God, no, I'm just kidding, not really. <laughs> but I was reminded of that. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. So for the, our enemy, he's supposed to scatter, right? He's supposed to scatter because he's the enemy, because he knows there's no power in him. He knows. He knows he has limited power. Let me say that. He knows he can only go so far. You know, it's like that barking dog on a leash, and like you accidentally walk up into the yard, and you know, you got those crazy family members that are like, don't worry, he won't bite. But meanwhile, you got this dog going, ah, 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 ah. I actually walked into a house one time with a friend, and they had a little yapper dog, and they said, don't worry, he won't bite. He comes over, and he's jumping upon me, bites me right on the thigh. So I don't believe people anymore when they say their dogs don't bite. I don't believe you. I'm sorry. So, but it's really kind of the same thing. The enemy scatters because of fear, right? The, skin, the enemy scatters because he's aware of his defeat. The enemy scatters because he is aware of only how far his power allows him to go. I'm going to say that one again. He is aware of only how far his power allows him to go. See, we, we all know that Satan is not all-powerful. He doesn't get those names. He doesn't get omniscient. He doesn't get, um, um, he doesn't get um, omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He is not in every place. He doesn't get omnipresent. He doesn't get those titles. They are not after the name of Satan because that is not him. So if we are blaming the devil for every single thing, the devil is not omnipresent. So the devil can't be at Troy's door and be at Jay's door at the exact same time. Now, can his influence be there? Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, I, that's a rabbit trail. Oh, I used your thing, rabbit trail. Anyway, um, God has not called us to scatter. And don't worry, this is not my teaching for tonight. But I thought it was really awesome that the Lord reiterated it in this. God has not called us to scatter. He has called us, just like in Ephesians 6 through 6, 10, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. And what comes right after that? 
but put on the whole armor of God. I believe that the Lord is trying to tell us something. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Do not scatter. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. If we put on the whole armor of God, like Raji's been teaching us over the last several weeks, then we'll know what voice comes from the enemy and we'll know what voice comes from the Lord. Because the enemy will bring us fear and cause us to scatter. The enemy will bring us fear and cause us unrest. The enemy will bring us fear and cause us uncertainty. But if we have that helmet on, like Raji talked about this morning, then we will not be distracted. You know, I was thinking, and he didn't say this this morning, but I was thinking, I've seen those things, and they have those gold pieces that come down right here. And to me, it almost reminds me of like a, a horse when they put those um, blinders. Is that what they're called? That's what I feel like we need. I feel like that's part of our helmet is we need those gold pieces right here so we're not distracted right and left. We have one focus and one focus only, and that is to be on the Lord. I don't, I don't know about you, but I just think it's really cool because I wasn't even supposed to teach tonight, and I feel like that the Lord has taken the last how many sermons, and he, and he was giving it to me, and I didn't realize it until I was typing it out. Like, I just remembered... Sorry if this is disappointing. I remembered that verse, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, but I don't remember where it was from. And so I typed it out, and then I Googled it. Where is it at? And sure enough, it's Ephesians 6, which is where we've been at for the last how many weeks? I don't know. I think that's really cool. I believe the only thing that separates those who stay when the battle rages to those who scatter when times get tough is the level of water that they are in. So I'm going back to Ezekiel 47. What do you do? I'm going to ask you this. How many in here like to swim in the ocean? Anybody? What do you do if you're swimming in the ocean and you get caught in a riptide? Everybody's doing this. I don't know. I feel like I'm on a landing strip. I don't really know. Yeah, you're right. You swim parallel, right, to the, to the, um, to the shore, parallel to the shore. I knew that, but I also looked it up. And it says, the Rip Current Survival Guide, I thought this was interesting, it says, it said, with exclamation points, you want to float. So when you feel like you are caught in a rip current or in a tide and you feel like that you can't swim and you're going to drown, it says you want to float. And then it says, you don't want to swim back to shore. Definitely don't want to swim back to shore just because it gets tough. You swim against the rip current because otherwise it, <laughs> I know this is really good, it will just tire you out. That's what it said. It will wear you out. It will tire you out. And you're end up, ended up probably going to drown anyway in real life. But spiritually speaking, it's the same. When you get caught in the riptide of life, if you would just allow the Lord to let you float with him, your ever-present swimming instructor. <laughs> if we would just allow him to, let, to guide us when we're out there in the deep, when it gets scary and we don't think we're going to make it, our first reaction is to what? Our first reaction is to swim back to the shore. I can see all my family on the shore. Uh, that's familiar over there. I can swim back to the shore because if I swim back to the shore, I know that's a safe place for me, and then I ain't never coming back out here again. I need you guys to have like a spiritual and a physical image in case I'm not bringing that across very well. Okay, okay. 
All right. The reason, the reason why Christians quit is because they are worn out. It's not because they don't love Jesus. It's not because they don't want to go to heaven. It's not because they don't want to see other people go to heaven. It's because they're tired. It's because they're weary. That's why people quit. They're trying to do this walk with Christ in their own strength. They're trying to follow rules in their own strength. The word of God says our flesh is weak, but it is he who makes us strong. That's why Jesus came to the cross. He knew we couldn't do it on our own. It wasn't working. The law was not working because people were getting weary. And people are still trying that today. They're still getting weary. The problem is believers still want to have it both ways. And I always say this every time I teach because I never ever want anybody to think that Dina has it all together because if you know me, I, I don't. And if you hang out with me in any period of time, I'm going to tell you all my flaws. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you like what sin I did yesterday because I just have that mindset. I feel like that we should always be honest um, with one another. And um, actually we talked about this in the women's Bible study and I'm going to share this and it wasn't even my notes, but I think this would help somebody. The Bible says that we should confess our sins to the Lord, right? To get forgiveness. But the Bible also says in James, confess your sins one to another. And that's where you get healing. So if you can't get healing for something, maybe it's because you're still hiding. It's easy to confess our sins to the Lord. It's easy. He's not right in front of me. It's hard for me to confess my sins to Matt and Dawn. Because what will Matt and Dawn think? What will Brother Blind think about me? Guess what? I don't care what Matt and Don think. I don't care what Brother Brian thinks about me. The only one I care about is what the Lord thinks about me. Because I can be fake Christian all day long. And Matt and Don and Brother Brian think I'm super, super girl Christian. And I might be dead on the inside. So that's just a little nugget. If you're struggling with something, confess to a friend. I'm not telling you you have to be graphic. But I'm telling you, you have to be honest. Because the only way that you're ever going to get healing is to confess your sins one to another. That's the word. That's not Dina. That's the word. Confess your sins one to another. I have no idea why I brought that up. The problem is believers still want to have it both ways. We want to try to live sinless lives, but we are only ankle deep in the water. We're only ankle deep. We're still superficial. And we can't figure out why we can't get this Christian thing going. We can't figure out why we keep struggling with the same sin over and over and over again. Maybe it's because we're ankle deep. Maybe it's because we're not really sacrificing. Maybe it's because we're not really surrendering. Maybe it's because we're not really giving our all. Maybe we're giving it verbally. God, I give my all to you. God, I surrender to you. But once we get up from our knees or once we leave the altar, we go right back to the same thing. The only way to overcome sin is by the blood of Jesus at Calvary and our full surrender to him. We wonder why we feel like we are drowning. It's because we are not putting our whole faith in our swim instructor. I love that. <laughs> I just did. Have you ever seen somebody being taught to swim? Have you? Oh, let me say this. Have you ever seen an adult being taught to swim? Have you ever seen an adult being taught how to float? That's the most hilarious thing. Because 
they stick their chin up real high in the air, but then their butt's way down. And the instructor, the person that's trying to help them, they're like, no, you got to straighten up like a board. you got to straighten up. And then they're like, okay. You know what I mean? It is the, hilarious, it is the most hilarious thing, and it's because they, are, they still have too much fear. They're not trusting their instructor. Their instructor is trying to tell them, if you just lay out flat, just relax. Just relax. You'll be fine. Just relax. If you could just hear the Lord say that, I know you're out here in the water, and I know you're scared, and I know this is a place that you didn't really ever think you were going to be, and I know this isn't a place that you thought I would ever ask you to go, but just relax. I mean, we, we make it so hard. We make it so hard. If we could just say, okay, God, I rely on you. It doesn't mean it makes it easy. It doesn't mean we still don't sink every now and then. Anyway. I wrote this down. I didn't say this, but the teacher keeps saying, don't worry, I've got you. But then when the least little bit of water gets on our face, we're like, nope, nope, I'm going back. I'm going back to the shore. I'm going back to the shore. I didn't really want to learn how to float anyway. I didn't really want to learn. I don't know why I even tried. We have to rely on our teacher. I heard this phrase. I don't remember I don't know if it was off the movie Chosen. I don't know if I was watching another video. I, I don't know if I was listening to somebody. I can't remember. But they referred to Jesus as Rabboni. Not Rabbi, Rabboni. And it means master teacher. And man, that hit me so strong. I thought, you know, God, I ask you about everything in my life. I try to, about everything in my life. And I think, why would I do that? It's because he is the master teacher. He was here on earth. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we're facing. And he's like, if you would just trust me, I'm the master teacher. I'm the master teacher. You want to know how to do this? Let me show you. You want to know how you're going to get through this problem? Let me show you. You want to know how you're going to navigate through life? Let me show you. You want to know how to be a parent? Let me show you. You want to know how to be a good wife, a good husband, a good grandparent? Let me show you. He is our rabbi. He is our master teacher. Here's the thing. The river is coming. The river is coming. The river is coming. I believe it. And here's the thing. I want to be a part of it. But you know what makes me excited about the river's coming? Because if the river's coming, that means the harvest is coming. If the river's coming, that means there's going to be a new person sitting beside me, maybe every week. That's what I believe. Isn't that what we should desire? If we want it to be, you know, me, myself, and I, and each in our own, we are missing it. If we want it to be, you know, the suburb family who's got it all together, and that's what we want, we are missing it. I want every race. I want male. I want female. I want young. I want old. I want every denomination that doesn't preach the, the truth. I'm not talking about rearranging Christian furniture. 
and proselyting from other churches. I'm talking about people who are sitting in churches that are not preaching the truth, and they are tired of not hearing the truth, and they are looking for something that is real. That's what I believe God is bringing. In these last days, the people are looking for the truth because they, the world is trying to give their truth. And I don't care what you say, you know when someone is talking to you whether it's truth or whether it's not. Now, you can be deceived and you can believe whatever it is that you want to believe, but bottom line is people want the truth. People desire the truth. The Lord is raising up a remnant, and he's asking for people to stand up. He's asking us for stand, to stand in the gap for others. But, in, but we have to be prepared. Anytime we go to the enemy's camp and we take back things, you think it's going to be easy? It's going to be a fight. I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of a fight because I don't fight in my own strength. None of us do. I don't have to go in there with my machine gun. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do hand-to-hand -hand combat, thank God, because I have no muscle mass whatsoever. I rely on the strength of the Lord. So this is what I believe the Lord is asking us, not just as a church, but as individuals. Just how much of you can I have? I believe that's what he's asking us. Just how much of you can I have? I think he's asking that of all of us. Just how far will you wait out? And ultimately, how much do you trust me? I think that's really what it comes down to. We say we trust the Lord, but do we? Do you trust that he is our rabbi, our master teacher, the one whose eyes will never be taken off of you, the one whose arms will never let you go? We quote, quote Proverbs 3, I gave this to JC, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path, right? The NIV doesn't read it exactly the same. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your way straight. That's what it really comes down to. Submitting, submitting, surrender. I want to be in the river, but I don't think we're going to hack it if we're only knee and ankle deep. I just don't. I think it's easy to stand and knee and ankle deep and watch everyone else do the work. We need each other, all of us. The Lord, bottom line is, the Lord needs us. the God of the universe. Is that not overwhelming? He needs us? Actually, here's the thing. He really doesn't need us. The God of the universe can do whatever he wants to do. But he chooses to want us. He chooses to, to use us. He chooses to do things through us. I just want to be a part. I got to get to the deep. I'm, Dina's too wishy-washy on the shore. I get too distracted. Too distracted on the shore. Too much ADHD, probably. I was never diagnosed with that when I was a kid, but I get too distracted. Oh, look at that guy with this cool raft. 
too distracted. I have to be in the deep. Because in the deep, I'm more, I'm more aware, but I'm also not, when I'm out there with the Lord, I'm not relying on me anymore. Because when I'm on the shore, I'm relying on me. I got my footing, you know, got my water shoes on. I got it all taken care of. So that's it. I just feel like that's what the Lord wants us to know. Go in the deep. Test it out. See if it'll work. I'm telling you, gosh, he will never, ever let us down. And there are people coming in, and they need us to be in the deep. They need us. Let's pray. God, I love you so much. I give you praise. God, I thank you, Lord, for every time you ever get me a chance to speak your word. God, I pray, Lord, that I always, God, deliver it the way you would want me to. God, you know my faults and my failures, and yet you still ask me to keep doing it. So, But God, I want to be in the deep. I don't want to be comfortable on the shore. I want to submit, and I want to completely surrender to your ways. Because, God, you are going to need me to fully rely on you. You are going to need this church to fully rely on you, God. Because when the harvest comes in, if we are not fully relied on you, then, God, we will try to do things in our own strengths and we will mess them up. We will not treat people the way you need them to be treated. We will not respond to people the way you need us to. We have to fully rely on you always about you, God. Lead us. Guide us. Don't let us get complacent. And God, don't let us get weary. Maybe just let us float for a little bit when we get weary. And you just hold us up for a little while. Because if we try to do it on our own, God, we're going to get tired. We're going to get wore out. So God, I pray, Lord, for those, Lord, in this house that might be wore out. I pray that you would give them a supernatural strength, a supernatural rest. For God, we are going to need your strength for the journey. God, I love you so much, and I trust you with everything. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this house and in this community. And we give you advanced praise for it. We give you advanced praise, even if we don't see it. God, we know it's coming. Prepare us. We love you, Lord. We give you 